Welcome to Nonprofit Expert, presented by Donor Perfect. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to Nonprofit Expert, presented by Donor Perfect. I'm Robbie Healy, and we're continuing our conversation about case and culture and courage. And today, we're focusing on culture. Specifically, we're focusing on culture change and culture change within an organization when you are actually the leader, the one who gets to steer the change. And the conversation I'm having today is with Lauren Sheehan, who is president of Donor Perfect. And as I was thinking about this conversation, I was reminded of an article I read quite a long time ago, uh, 10 years ago, was in the Stanford Social Innovations Review, and it was about impactful leaders. And I want to read this because I want to get the quote right. One of the research findings in the article, which was by Jane Y. Skillern, David Ehrlichman, and David Sawyer, was the single most important factor behind all successful collaborations is trust-based relationships among participants. If you agree that successful culture change requires collaboration, the many points in their article seem at least, if not more relevant than today. And I know Lauren's going to give us many things to think about when we're due for a culture change. So before we get involved in the questions. Tell us about yourself. Introduce yourself. Okay. Uh, my name is Lauren Sheehan. I'm the president of Donor Perfect. And um, if I think about my journey, um, I think it's, I'm going to start all the way back that it is, as long as I can remember, um, I have always um, thought it was really important to um, give back and be involved in, you know, making the world a better place. You can ask my mom. She would tell you funny (laughs) stories about me organizing, I don't know, recycling uh, in our uh, development. And and it was just an important part of who I was. Um, So when I graduated from college, I had a big decision. Where where was I going to land? And I actually got a job um, with a company that was providing consultant services to technology companies. So I was um, pretty green and I was visiting these large technology companies like Motorola, Seagate, and Agilent Technologies, Qualcomm, um, trying to understand how they how they worked, how they got how they got their job done, right? And so it was an amazing experience. I was traveling all over. I was having uh, having a lot of fun and certainly learning a lot, but there was just something missing. Um, you know, we have to, we're spending a lot of our time, our most of our waking hours at work. And so <laughs> that, that element of like being fulfilled um, and having that, that broader impact, it was just missing. So I decided I needed to look for another job. And, um, I think I went on Career Builder at the time, and I found that there was a technology company that was all of two miles away from my house that was looking for a client relations manager that worked exclusively with nonprofit organizations. I applied for the job. It was the only job that I applied for, um, and that was 15 years ago. So I got hired at Donor Perfect 15 years ago. Um, I have been part of that leadership team for all of that time and I have held um, many different roles during my time at Donor Perfect, um, 
customer care manager, vi- vice president of customer experience. Um, and then when my uh, one of my mentors, Nathan Rellis, uh, one of the co-founders of the company, decided to retire, I moved into my current role as president. Um, and things have been going pretty well, Robbie. Mm-hmm. We were just named a uh, top workplace in the Philadelphia region. We got number four in the Philadelphia region. Congratulations. Um, thank you very much. And um, there have been a lot of unique challenges um, that that we've navigated through. Um, I've got a great team um, and um, culture and people are, are, are my passion. I think most of us didn't wind up where we thought we would. Yeah. So the way your journey went through that process is fascinating. And it's interesting, I think, to follow someone. You you called him a mentor. It's, yeah. I think it's always interesting to follow someone you admire. And there's that old saying, you know, I have big shoes to fill. I'm yeah. convinced we all bring our own shoes. We bring our own shoes. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be respectful. But at the same time, when you're navigating a culture change, I think you're also navigating the way you honor the person who mentored you. Absolutely. Because my opinion is that person would never want you to keep things the same just because he, she, or they had done it that way. Yep. So as you were looking at the culture change you wanted to evolve at Donor Perfect, what were some of the critical first steps that you began to think about? Obviously, you were not an external person who was coming in to analyze something they'd never seen no, before. No. And you may have noticed things you thought to yourself, if I were in charge here, I might do this differently. Or maybe not. Yeah. But how did you begin to take those first critical steps in this process? Um well, it was it was an interesting time. So we were dealing with we were in the midst of dealing with the the pandemic and navigating um, a lot of the changes that that came along with that. Um we had made the decision to um, declare ourselves as a remote first environment, work environment, and to stay that way um, as long as you know our results continued to be to be good. Um, we were also um, experiencing some higher levels of attrition as part of like the great great resignation. So there were some headwinds that that I faced, um, and so I really felt like. My first mandate was really to just get get an understanding of how people were feeling, what was going on, and so I was I was really on like a listening tour, honestly, um, to try to better understand um, how employees were were feeling and um, what we needed to do. To we've always had really an incredible culture, but these other things that we these headwinds were 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 creating some challenges for us. So um, I wanted to dive in. I know the people. I knew the people. I've worked alongside of them for so long. Um, and I believe that I uh, was able to establish trust with them. And and I was there to learn from them about what, what, what needed to change and how we could kind of turn the ship around. Well, and you raised a couple of interesting points that I was thinking about as I was listening to. First of all, how do you do a listening tour if everybody's remote? Yeah. And And secondly, then, imagining that you've listened to everybody you can possibly listen to, I would be shocked if you said they all agreed with each other. 
Oh, no. You have to establish what – well, at least what I did is I established different um, ways to listen. Some of them were more scalable than others because we have about 200 people that work at Donor Perfect. So it would take me forever and a day to, like, interview and and talk. And that's a lot of listening. (laughs) And you have a job to do in the meantime. I do have a a job to do in the meantime. So um, what I started to do was implement – anyone who was coming on board, I would be talking to them at the 30-day mark to understand what drew them to our organization organization, what they hope to achieve, and really setting that stage from very early in their career with us that doors were open. Um, I I knew who they were. Um, We're we're doing this together. They're a valued part of the team. So that was kind of a way, you know, because we're not not hiring people every, you know, two two days, right? So that was a way to be able to kind of keep up with it. Um, there were, I talked with my leadership team about people that they thought were potentially um, at at risk or, or had a lot to say. So that helped me prioritize those interviews. And then we implemented, uh, you know, an employee satisfaction survey a couple times a year to be able to do it at a, like a, a, a larger scale. Um, we also have, and we have this for our clients as well. So a lot of these applications or you know, if I talk about listening posts, it's not only for internal staff, it's also for any stakeholder, right? We do the same thing with our customers. We have interviews with our customers and we talk to our customers. Um, we have a tool called Suggest and Vote, which is enables employees to tell us what enhancements they would like to make Donor Perfect an even better place to work. And we have a different site, but the same tool for our customers that they can tell us what uh, features and enhancements they would find helpful in Donor Perfect. So um, those were the kind of different listening posts that I had um, set up and and there was like information overload. You start to develop or see certain themes and, and ca- you can categorize it and then you have to work to prioritize that, um, then you got to start taking action and reporting back on what you're doing and and how you're doing it. Um, So that's what I I did. I want to come back to taking action, but I have one other question. You talked about a culture of trust that already existed. Yes. Not everyone works in a workplace like that. Yeah. And perhaps not everyone who even works in the same workplace is equally comfortable with that. Did you ever have a sense or what would you do if you thought someone was just giving you answers they thought you wanted to hear? Oh, that's a hard question. I think it is a hard <laughs> question, but I think when you're when when you're really interested in what people have to say, yeah, I think that that becomes a speed bump because I think a lot of us, and perhaps not as much with brand new hires right out of school, right, but people who maybe worked in a place where they weren't valued they they get used to the fact that they've got to say something when they're asked but it may not be what's their visceral reaction yeah i think that you can start to uncover the their their real feelings by you know you have to ask for specific questions you have to dig in you want those specifics and um so you're talking about asking questions in such a form that you liberate people to think you actually want to know what they think yeah, actually want to know what they think, which is the truth. I mean, which yeah. is the truth, right? Like this is taking a lot of time. And it it's especially, well, I don't know. I, I've heard from team members that the fact that 
They're talking to me, the president of the company. That is said. That's just like a mind blowing. That's a mind blowing thing. Sure and that we're, I mean, it takes a lot. It does take time, and that there is nothing more important. Um, you know, I'm getting pulled in a lot of different directions, but first and foremost, every company, whatever you, I mean, if you're running a restaurant, a nonprofit organization, a hotel. The heart of every company is the people. And if you take good care of your employees, everything else falls into place. They will take care of one another. They will take care of your clients. And so it's, I've made it a priority. And I'm not just saying it, I'm I'm walking the walk. Um, and so that is like a different mindset. And I hope that I'm, um, you know, gaining their trust through that. And so that, the, you know, we, I don't want to just hear what's great. I want to hear what can be improved. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, you know, the COVID-19 and everybody had to pivot. Oh boy. Yeah. I think there, it's interesting. I keep hearing from some people, I can't wait till we get back to normal. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm convinced that's ridiculous. <laughs> Whatever. No, I mean, it's been years. It, it hasn't has. been months. So right. I think some organizations are going back to what they knew Yep. instead of analyzing what are the things they really ought to keep. Yeah. And what are the things that seem to get more convenient that are really eventually going to hold them back? So how do you Mm. look at what are the changes we made that we really ought to preserve because they've made us better? Yeah. And what are the ones that over time will really weaken us? Yeah. So things we need to keep and things we need to make sure we don't. Yeah. So there were, I think that there are a lot of silver linings actually that came from COVID. I don't know if you're, it's okay to say, like we got this from COVID. This is some good things that came from it. I saw firsthand how nonprofit organizations with no notice, no preparation were able to just transform how they were connecting with donors, how they were going to manage an event, right, virtually. And so I don't know, lessons learned about what we can do to make things work and how we can do hard things and innovate and and adapt. So that was like, that's worth keeping. We flex those muscles. They got a good exercise during COVID. And I want us to, I I challenge everybody to continue to think about, um, maybe it's not forced upon us in the same kind of chaotic way, but keep that pressure of, innovation and adaptability. Um, So that's what comes to mind first. Um, Other silver linings of COVID for for organizations, I think about um, how it forced conversations about flexible work arrangements, which I think are really, really important, Um, especially if we look at the fact that 75% of people that are working in the nonprofit industry are women. And I think that that additional flexibility is is helpful to everyone. But but I, I think that um, especially um, for, for women. So I think that, that that was a good thing, a silver lining, if you will. Um, one other thing that comes to mind is just the focus on mental health and work work-life balance. So I think that it became through COVID, it became okay to talk about those topics that, you know, still have a stigma around them related to mental health. And then um, I guess the, you know, I already talked about the flexibility for, for, for work. Um, But those are some things that I think that, that we should keep. Um, 
Work-life balance is important. We talk all the time about nonprofit professionals being burnt out. I think COVID changed a lot of those con- those conversations. And I the hope idea, they did. I hope they did. I really do. That's what I want for this industry is less talk about burnout and more talk about how we can make the most of the time that we're putting into work. It is, you know, it is a big part of our lives. It's an important part of our lives, but it's not our whole life. It's always interesting to me when we face some kind of national crisis, the powers that be will say the nonprofits should step up and do something. Yeah. Well, we have been, but you just didn't know you needed us until, and we're quietly changing the world. And then a giant mess happens like yep. COVID yep. and they realize they need us. Yeah. Oh, so I want them to remember us too. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. wish that would stick. I'm not yeah. sure it will. Yeah. I'm really not sure that it will. I guess I wonder as you're talking about encouraging creativity, is there a way that you've discovered to reward people for calling out things that aren't working instead of being afraid to speak up? And I think there's a difference between attacking someone. Sure, sure, sure. And with dignity and caring, saying, you know, we've been doing this this way for so long. What if we looked at this? Yeah. Is that something you're talking about or – it, it's it's interesting that you say that. Uh, I was th- we so I, I had mentioned earlier that we did uh, make the move to to remote first, but we have um, in service days where everybody kind of gathers together. And one of the things that we did for the last session was um, invite an improv group to come and talk That's with us. And so when we're talking about um, the the biggest like I don't know the 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 philosophy of what makes good improv is the the idea of yes and and so how we can build on ideas of others and that status quo can be boring right and that isn't so much fun. and destructive <laughs> and destructive and destructive yeah. so um that that that's one thing that that comes to mind um, related to like just getting people to open up and be invested in what we're what we're what we're doing at work and and if there are some things that aren't working you know it we we kind of recycled the phrase you know see see something say something um but i think that's huge yeah because you've got so many people who've worked in places where they got in trouble for doing that yeah and what you're talking about is strengthening an organization by talking about what's not working yeah yeah and I mean, it's all, I mean, you, you were talking about so many things and you know me well enough to know I like to think in bunches of three. Yes. And I think the first thing I hear you talking about is listening and yep. that you have to be constantly listening. Not that I'm out on the shop floor and I'm listening to everybody and then I go back in the office and close the door, mm-hmm. but I check the box. I listen to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you look at everything you've, you analyze everything you heard and it may reveal patterns yep. that you really want to preserve or you really want to make sure you don't preserve. Yeah. And I think the last thing you talked about was only keeping the right things. Mm-hmm. You talked about the silver lining. I talk think about the next shiny thing. Yeah. You know, how can you how can you make sure you're keeping the substance, not the glitter? Yeah. If you're if you listening to this and you believe all that and you're not in the power role, are there things you think people can begin to do differently so they can take some of the elements that you've been successful with and begin to adapt them in their workplace? Or if you are the CEO or the executive director, Mm -hmm. 
you can't just say, well, I listened to this podcast with Lauren Sheehan, and she said, do these four things. Yeah. How do you gradually insert that into the way you work? Okay. Good question. We, if you are not in, you know, steering the ship, so to speak, there are some ways that you would be able to do it at whatever level that that you're you're at. Potentially at a, you know, you're with your department, leading that department or not. Like let let's do let's do a recap or a retro of the project that we just did. I, um, what worked, what didn't? I mean, stop, start, continue is a really easy way to be able to evaluate a workflow, a specific project, even, um, you know, um, something at even a smaller scale. So just wanting to continue to strive to do better by talking about what didn't work and highlighting what did work, right? It's It's a balance. So maybe there's just some ways that what, at whatever level that you're at, that you can invite and encourage those conversations. I think your, your point about whatever level you're at is huge because yeah. I think so many organizations just keep on keeping on because they're afraid of rocking the boat. But you can do it in a way, as you've described, even if you're evaluating an event perhaps mm-hmm. or an appeal that didn't work as well as you wanted. What are the things we want to keep? What are the things we want to make sure we don't do? Because I think there are so many sacred cows, yeah, and we don't have the courage to let things sunset when they need to. Yeah, and with something like, uh, I don't know, are you familiar with Stop, Start, Continue as a way to just kind of review a project? It sounds like something I would love. Okay, okay. Well, it's good for a lot of different things, and it can be utilized in in a couple of different ways, even mediating um, conflicts between to employees that might be having a disagreement. What what do you want me to stop doing? What do I need to start doing to make this better? And what is helpful to me for you to continue to do? Makes um, perfect sense. And, and I mean, th- that way we're giving space for the positive while we're also talking about how, um, you know, more having those critical conversations as well. We're not going to get better just plodding along, doing the you know doing the same old things. We we have to question, um, and we should invite those those conversations. And if you model that behavior, if you're asking for feedback yourself, and changing and changing, right? And not just not because it, it's it's more than just listening; it's acting as well. Then it, it'll it'll catch on. I think everybody, the heart of all of us, we, we want to do better and improve. And um, I hope so. Anyway. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope so too. I think so. I know so. Again, regardless of whatever level that you're at, that you might be able to start introducing some of these, just getting comfortable with having those types of conversations. And that's the culture change anyway. Right on. When, when I've, everyone I've talked to in this series, I've asked them the last question the same. Are there things that you would never, ever repeat? Things you would always want to hang on to? And if you hit a brick wall, do you have any okay. hot tips for how to get through the brick wall? Brick wall. Okay. Um, a chisel. No. Um, <laughs> maybe a chisel. Maybe a chisel. Yeah. So um, <laughs> things that uh, a lesson that I would want to kind of share with everybody uh, listening not to do, um, one, uh, uh, I've learned this from my own experience, is the quickest way to failure is thinking that you can 
make everybody happy. Accept that. Accept that. Um, well, and I don't know about you, but I've had the experience that if you give a person like that everything they want, they're still not happy. Yeah, one more. So it becomes <laughs> a continuum of dissatisfaction yeah. and it's losing. Yeah, yeah. Um, which brings, which is a, a kind of an interesting segue to um, lessons that I learned um, that I would want others to con- continue or to learn from is, um, you know, the hiring and firing decisions that you make are the most important decisions that you make. So hire s- slow. And if there is some, and f- they say fire fast, I, I I struggle to say that because this is somebody's livelihood. But I, I have found that um, it is important to make those hard decisions to let people go when it, it is it is not a fit. You know, energy is transferable, positive or negative. So if there's yeah. somebody that's really not working out or not performing, other people are seeing that and that can be just, you know, they cancerous, right? So um, uh, that's uh, the, the hiring and firing decisions that you make are probably the most important as a leader. Um, and then um, if you hit a brick wall, besides the chisel, you got to ask for you got to ask for help, and so building a network of um, some people have a, have a mentor. Some people build a network where they have their own almost like personal board yeah. that's helping them. Being so generous with their help for one another and gracious about sharing advice and and being generous with their time. So if you do not have that network, work on building that. And when you hit a brick wall, ask for help. I heard so many people who, especially people later in their careers who come from the for-profit sector into the nonprofit sector say, you people are all so nice. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that is part of the kind of the culture of the sector is Generosity. to be very helpful with each other. Yeah. But and it, there's different ways to be generous, right? Generous with sure your time are. and there your sure your experience and your knowledge and um, be generous with your ears listening. You know, it's good. Well, thank you very much for spending time with us today. I know you, some Ron. of the lessons you've learned yourself will continue the way they are, and others you're probably going to say, "Oh, that we're not going to keep that one. We're going to look for the next better thing." But yeah. so we'll um, have to do this again in a couple of years. We can. After. That would be fun. <laughs> I learned a few more lessons, and I'm sure mm. that the people who are listening to this will have found some kernels of good advice that they can take in their own workplace. But thank you again for spending time with us. Yeah, thank you, Robbie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. So you've been listening to Nonprofit Expert presented by Donor Perfect. Thank you for joining us for Case, Culture, and Courage. Thank you for listening to Nonprofit Expert presented by Donor Perfect. For more information and a special offer, visit donorperfect.com slash podcast.